Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca and your preferred podcast player of choice. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. They be watching us, we so prosperous, ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us, they be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we're live on the airwaves tonight. <coughs> Pardon me. Because we have a lot to get to on tonight's show. Later on in the show, I have special guest journalist Angela Francis in studio here to talk about the media industry and everything in between. Beyond that, we also got a lot of juicy uh, content to get to, which includes ASAP Rocky, OVO Fest, Ja Rule, and so much more. But before we get into all of that, you guys already know how I do at the beginning of the show. I got some stuff to get off my chest. So with that said, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Yes, yes, yes. So what I want to talk about to kick things off is Kawhi Leonard. Now, last week, <clears throat> pardon me, last week, if you guys remember, we were talking about the whole Kawhi watch and the circus that it brought upon. So... The helicopters in the sky, people camping out in front of the Hazleton Hotel, all the uh, experts, so to speak, you know, chiming in on where they think he'll go and what their sources are telling them and how sure of a percentage they are, you know, 94, 95%, 99%, 99.8%, et cetera, et cetera. But then, as we went off the air, about five hours after we went off the air, Close to 2 a.m., it was made official and it was broken via Chris Haynes on Twitter that Kawhi Leonard is taking his talents to the Los Angeles Clippers. And not only that, but he would also be bringing along Paul George via trade. So it wasn't so shocking that he left Toronto. I think the more shocking part was the fact that Paul George was coming with him because not one person had anything to say about Paul George as far as speculation is concerned. No one ever guessed in their wildest dreams that Paul George would be available on the trademark on the trade market, mainly because of the fact that he signed his deal with Oklahoma City uh, last year. And it's for a four it is for a four year term as well. So no one ever thought that for a second. People were speculating Jimmy Butler or maybe Kevin Durant. Even Kyrie Irving got a mention here and there. But it ultimately became <laughs> Paul George. And the two Cali boys are heading back to Cali, playing for the Clippers. <coughs> Pardon me. Thus bringing balance to the NBA universe. So we're at the point where we haven't been in a long time, where now the NBA is filled with parity, basically. Because you can't really pinpoint who has the best chance of winning the title. You can make your predictions here and there, but at the end of the day, it's not blatantly obvious. Like It's not going to be Miami. It's not going to be Golden State. Like No one is having a cakewalk to the NBA uh, championship this year. It's going to be a hard-fought battle, especially in the Western Conference. So overall, my reaction to the trade or just to the whole transaction overall, um, as a fan, I'll be honest, I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I, I thought for sure 
that he would actually come back for a short-term deal, like a one-plus-one, if anything, just to see if we could run it back and have a chance at defending our, our throne. Um, but ultimately, he chose home. He wanted to go home, and I can't be mad at that. At the end of the day, what I can say in his defense is that he never made any promises about staying in Toronto long term. Um, he's made it known, well, his management has made it known ever since the whole San Antonio fiasco that he wanted to be in L.A., whether it was the Clippers or the, or the Lakers. He wanted to be in Los Angeles. And him being in Toronto... It was for a one-year rental, and everyone knew about the risks that were involved. Masai knew, Webster knew, everyone knew, the fans knew as well. And when it comes to the fans, depending on who you ask, we were either hoping that, you know, being in Toronto for a year would make him reconsider, or, you know, some fans were like, you know what, if we can at least get a championship out of this, then I'm okay. And I guess where I stand personally, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on the fence, but in a good way. Like, on one end, yeah, it sucks that we don't have an opportunity to run it back with them. But on the other end, we got a championship out of it. It's not like it's not like we lost in the second round or something to that extent and then never knew what could have been. It's not like a Vince Carter situation circa 2001. I mean, imagine if the shot had missed off the rim and we went home in the second round and then he left. If anything, I would have expected that. I would have expected that. I'd be like, yeah, he's gone for sure. Um, but hey... Again, we got a championship out of it, and we can't really be mad. And we can't be mad at the fact that he gave it his all. Like, he did not take any nights off. Even when there were games where his body was clearly broken down, he still played his ass off. And that's all you can ask from you, from your best player, whether they're a star or a superstar. you got to put in your all, and that's exactly what he did. Now, here are some of the details, some of the brief details in regards to the whole negotiation process. So, Masai Ujiri was taking interviews during Summer League, and I think it was, who was it? Was it Scott Carefoot? Someone asked him a question about how the, how the proceedings went as far as the negotiations were concerned, and they asked if, you know, Kawhi and his camp were being upfront with what they were asking for and just in general. So, he said, <coughs> and by he, <coughs> pardon me, and by he, I mean Kawhi. He said, or sorry, not Kawhi, by Messiah, pardon me. He said that Kawhi was being upfront and honest about what he was looking for. Kawhi was being honest. So when he said that, it led people to speculate as to who wasn't being honest. So many people pointed to Uncle Dennis. And Uncle Dennis is Kawhi's agent, by the way. And basically, a lot of people are speculating that Dennis's. Uh, Requests in order to keep Kawhi were unreasonable, and that's what some reporters were saying that it was a little bit unreasonable. And it's it's things that Masai, even if he had the power to do so, wouldn't have been able to do it. And some people were speculating the potential trade uh, that could have went down between the Raptors, the Clippers, and the Thunder, uh, where it was rumored that. They wanted to bring in Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but even then, if you look at the, the logistics of it, they would have been, wouldn't have been able to make it work. The, the The contracts wouldn't have been able to line up. You would have to give up a ton of draft picks and assets. Like you would have gutted the team. It's basically what the Lakers did by bringing in Anthony Davis, and Masai is not about to do that. He he knows better than that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it could have been that. It could have been a few amenities, like a private jet or something to that extent. It could have been so many different factors in between that Masai was not willing to budge. And it led people to believe that if they were really asking all those demands, if that is the case, 
then it probably means that Kawhi wouldn't have stayed anyway under normal circumstances. Because any other superstar would have just stayed off the strength of winning a title and having the opportunity to run it back. Not pointing that on Kawhi, because I think Kawhi personally just wanted to go home. I think that's his that's been his truth this whole entire time, and I'm not about to knock him for it. I think genuinely he wanted to go home, and I can't knock a player for wanting to go home. You got traded to a situation that you had no control over. You had to adjust yourself into a new environment. You're in a new country. Things are a bit different. You embraced it. You accepted the culture. You played your ass off, and you won a title out of it. Like, no one can ask any more of you. You brought a championship to a country, not let alone a city, but to a country that had been devoid of a championship in, what, 26 years, I think? So he doesn't owe the city anything. Yes, it is disappointing that we don't get to see the potential of this current uh, core of the team to see if they can run it back, maybe even create like a dynasty out of it. But at the end of the day, we got a championship out of it. We have memories that will never, ever be forgotten. No one will ever forget that what that buzzer beater that he put up against the Sixers, which was the first walk-off Game 7 buzzer beater in NBA history. I didn't even know that until shortly after that game was done. No one will ever forget about the the dunk that he had over Antetokounmpo in Game 6 of the Conference Finals that basically punched our ticket into the NBA Finals. No one's going to forget about the three-point barrage that Fred Van Vliet went on the moment he had that kid. No one is going to forget about Norman Powell going supernova on the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, these are moments that we will hold in our hearts forever. And on top of that, we got a championship parade, guys. We got a parade. I don't think anyone's going to be mad about having a parade. So all those memories we're going to keep for, for the rest of our lives, and we're going to see a banner out of it as well. Now, that leads me to my next question. Where do we go from here? You know, while Kawhi did want to go home, we still have yet to lock in a superstar out of free agency. Mind you, Kawhi, uh, not Kawhi, sorry, DeMar and Kyle, they did resign after the terms were done, but we've never actually been able to land a superstar out of free agency instead of trading for him and then signing him after the fact that he's been here for at least half a year. <coughs> so that begs the question, do the Raptors have a shot at landing a superstar in free agency? I say yes and no. No in the sense that I don't believe the any American superstar would want to come to Toronto, mainly because of the fact that it is in a different country and then they still have their misconceptions about said country. You know, whether it's the taxes or the lack of American TV channels or soul food. Like, I've, I've heard so many different things before in the past from former Raptors. Um, but the funny thing is, and ironically enough, a lot of these players who did play for the Raptors, whether they were stars or not, have said these things. But then somehow, some way, they end up coming back in some form or fashion. Not as players, but maybe as a media personality or as a correspondent of some sort. They always end up coming back to do some sort of play-by-play with the Raptors. And, you know, I think it just shows how much of a fan base that this team has that really kind of pulled them back in, in that sense. And, of course, I'm sure the bag was large as well. They're not coming here for free. But nonetheless, like, they found time out of their schedules to come back and say, hey, what's good? But with that said, can we land a superstar? So no in a sense that they won't be able to land an American one. I don't believe so. I have to see it to believe it. <clears throat> but yes, in the sense that they can land one who is non-American. So if R.J. Bear pans out to be a superstar, then I think the Raptors have a shot at bringing him onto the squad. If Andrew Wiggins turns out to, to go down the same path and become a superstar, they can do that. 
But I think any international player in general has a shot of joining the Raptors because if all they know is their home country for most of their lives and they've only been in America as far as their professional career is concerned, then what's the hurt of playing in yet another country? Which leads me to the one player, the one superstar, pardon me, that I believe that the Raptors have a legitimate shot at landing within the very near future, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, I believe so, and I've been saying this for years, or for at least a couple of years, but, I've been, but I firmly believe that because of the fact that Masai, unlike any other petty free agency reason as to why a, a player may sign with a team, I think it stems from the fact that Masai and Giannis have a relationship that goes beyond basketball. This man actually sponsored his parents to get official citizenship in Greece. Like, he helped out his family. That's important. And on top of that, he got Giannis' first tryout in the NBA. He got Thanasis, one of his brothers, a tryout in the NBA. <clears throat> and on top of that, the Nigerian connection. Like, uh, Masai is trying to bring as many Africans to this team as possible. And I, as a fellow African, am here for it. I have no issues with it, with it whatsoever. If Colangelo can do the same thing with Europeans on the squad, he can do the same thing with Africans. So... He is trying to build the African farm system within Toronto. And, of course, we know that Giannis is the biggest African player in the league right now. So he's definitely going to try and make a play on that. And let's be honest. Toronto has a huge, huge Greek population. I don't know if it's the biggest Greek population outside of Greece, but it's a very large one, fairly large one at that. In fact, I remember watching a video this week where Giannis came to Toronto to play a game. I think it was after the game was done. I think it was within the last two years or so where a large portion of the Greek community in Toronto basically welcomed him and serenaded him with, with a, a song of, of some sort. And Giannis was just in awe of it. And Masai obviously put that together. So Masai's been planting the seeds. Like If you want to call that tampering, sure, why not? But everything's tampering nowadays, right? But But... Things like that, little tactics like that, are what get you. Are what get you, you know, the the door with Masai. So, I think Giannis is going to definitely be a Raptor, uh, or he has a good chance of being a Raptor. But I think that is the future of of this team. So, let me guys know what you think. Hit me up on on social media at Cool Radio CC, and let me know what your thoughts are. After the break, I got my guest Angela Francis in studio, so keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, as for the moment you guys have been waiting for, I have my special guest in studio. I always get excited when I have another media personality in studio because there's a little bit of a, of a connection, a sort of relatability, if you will. And I always love to hear from the perspective of another journalist as well. Because normally with journalists, we're storytellers, we tell the stories, we don't necessarily hear the story from the journalist per se as far as their story is concerned. So that's why I always like to keep my platform as open as possible, including and especially journalists as well, because I like to hear from them and their perspective on things and what have you, rather than from like a third-person narrative. I like to hear from the first-person narrative from someone of that profession. So with that said, this person is no exception to that rule. She has worked for the likes of Vice. She has worked for Toronto Star. She's worked for a lot of publications, all right? I'm even forgetting a couple of them, but she's worked for almost any publication that you can think of within Toronto that focuses on new media especially. So with that being said, I have the lovely and talented Angeline Francis in studio with me right now. 
Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm sweaty and tired because I biked here, but I'm good. Hey, you, like like we were talking about, you got your workout in, so it's fine. Even if you just started like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. But I appreciate you making the time to come out because I know you're a very person, uh, very busy person, so I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that the schedule actually worked out. Yes, absolutely. Most definitely. So with that said, let's get to it. Um, What made you fall in love with journalism? Ooh, you know the irony of that? I feel like there's a 50-50 split. There's people who love news yes. and people who want to be a writer or something to that effect. I feel like when I was a kid, I grew up just knowing that I loved writing and okay. I just wanted to be a writer at first. Yeah. And the joke is I never used to watch the news. Okay. I swear this was like, maybe I was like 17 and I finally was like, all right, six o'clock, I'm not doing anything better. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it really is a newfound love, I guess. I was mm -hmm. still, I think, I was finishing high school, and I did really well in a lot of different subjects, but I still knew that I really loved writing, and I wasn't sure how I wanted to turn that into a career necessarily. I took right. a media studies class, mm -hmm. and that was the first time I was kind of like, every single aspect of this is very interesting to me. I love the photography, I love the newspapers, I yeah. love the video and all that. So I applied to journalism school at Ryerson, okay. and I got in. There you go, there you go. You get the little, Ooh. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't lie, it's, it's tough to get in, but once you're in there, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, I trust you, I'm kind of living that right now, actually. I have like half a foot in right now, and I just know it's one of those careers where like, once you get yourself fully in there, there's no getting out. Like, that's kind of like my mentality in that regard. Yeah, yeah, what do you mean half a foot? So, pretty much like I've had like different ventures here and there. So, like I was saying, I did my internship at TSN, I've done internships at G987, um, I was at Sportsnet, because I was doing like a competition called Drafted, so it's like where they look for the next on-air talent and what have you. Oh, dope. Yeah. That's so dope. Um, I was at Rogers TV Peel in Mississauga, so like I've, I've done things here and there, but I haven't found that one place where like I'm locked in and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm officially in. Like I've done like freelance writing here and there yeah. uh, for like some smaller publications, but haven't found like that one place yet. So I mean, that's a joke though. Like when you talk about yourself and about the things that you've done, you feel like you're not quite in there, but yeah. honestly, you just ran off the longest resume ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it, it's cool. It's cool. I do the same with myself though. Like, I right. feel like I graduated 2016, so I've really only been working for like three years. Right. And I guess it feels like I've worked in a bunch of different, at a bunch of different publications, yeah. all over the place. I don't know. I still feel very young in the industry still. Right, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I guess it's natural to feel that way, especially if, you're, if your window so far has been like three years and what have you. Uh, but again, like your resume is almost like in dog years in a sense where like you've done so <laughs> much, but in like little time. So yeah, I, I guess like I'm just kind of in that realm where I'm just like, okay, where, like what's my place? Like what? employer is going to say, yeah, we want you on here long term. That That's what I'm looking for. So I've yet to find that, but like I'm still pushing because for me, this is my passion. Like This is my love and what have you. Like I remember um, when I was 17, ironically enough, when you were talking about 17, I was thinking about, okay, what am I going to take post-secondaries? Because I wanted to take journalism, but I also wanted to take dramatic arts as well. Mm. And like the only thing was with dramatic arts, I always kept hearing, you know, there's not a whole lot of job prospects after the fact, whatever. So that kind of Kind of scared me a little bit, right? And me being in an African household, it's like, oh, that's like a whole nother, oh, don't even get me started on that. It's like, you have to go to university, all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, my family's Jamaican, but I had the anomaly who was literally like, okay, cool, do what makes you happy. Right. That's, see, that's rare anomaly. That's rare. That's rare. But my dad's like, yeah, you have to do something practical, da, 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 and all that stuff, right? So I said, I want to do journalism. He's like, I, I get it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was like, 
really? Like, you agree? <laughs> like, I was not expecting that. That went pretty well. <laughs> I know the irony, though. I feel like both, like, acting and journalism, those yeah. are pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Like, I didn't know journalism would be this tough to get into, but I still love it, though, because... I've always f- found myself somewhat of like a storyteller or having a passion for either telling stories or listening to stories and what have you. So my thing was I used to watch all these people on TV, whether they were VJs or on-air or just general on-air talents, like Master T when he used to do the mix on Much Music, or Nam, who was on Much Music as well. Like she was like she's like kinda like an inspiration to she's me. So dope. Oh man. Like I've I've interacted with her on Twitter, but I haven't met her in person yet. Like that's on my bucket list. Like I have to interact with this woman because she's so dope. Same, same. Oh my god. Um Cabby, like he's another dope guy. Uh Tim Tim McCallister. Like there's so many people I grew up watching, like when I was a teenager. I'm like, I want to do what they're doing because like not only are they doing it, but they, they do it in their own way, which is unique to them. Yeah. And they're having fun at the same time. Because, like, if I'm watching news and, like, you see some guy, you know, he's like, hey, I'm Kent Brockman on Channel 6 News. I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do that news. Like, I want to do, like, stuff that, like, entices people that actually creates dialogue and discussion and stuff like that. I don't know why his name's escaping me, but my favorite guy who's on CP24 now. Yeah. Um, he, he was trending on Twitter with the Dutty store. Oh, um, uh, the, <laughs> a pack of Gomez. His last oh, name's Gomez. Yes. That's, oh, shoot, what's his first name? I'm sorry that I I think it's Brandon. I think yes, it's, you, yeah, got, yeah. you got it. Brandon Gomez. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. a Dutty store. That's how I was like, wait, what did he just say? <laughs> my girl <laughs> messaged me the other day to tell me that she saw him doing double Dutch and was like killing it too on it. I really love how he brings his personality because broadcast, I find yeah. is like one of the most difficult ones because right. I really like that when I me doing video and hosting videos I've been able to do it online yeah. because I like speaking the way that I speak right I can't quite I mean I could if I have to but right. I don't want to adopt a broadcast <laughs> voice exactly. I feel like that's the standard that's the expectation right but I really like the fluidity of like being able to do more casual videos yeah. that actually you can be more creative with the exactly. storytelling. You can have your own voice and it doesn't quite get as lost. Yeah, like your own personality and stuff like that. Yeah, but I really love that he's been able to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know what, I think I'm starting to see like a paradigm shift in that regard. Like a lot of the on-air talents I'm seeing who are probably like in their 30s, whatever the case may be, they're part of like a newer generation, I guess. So I feel like with them, they're kind of bringing their personality to the forefront as well. And it's not so rigid. It's not so uniform and what have you it's not so monolithic so i really appreciate the fact that they're kind of bringing in those nuances into the broadcast game as well so i think it just makes it a bit easier for more people to come in to kind of put their own spin on it like i was mm-hmm. watching this show called tim and sit on sports and i watched them like religiously because i've been watching them since i was in high school and they're on vacation right now so they had, they had two standing hosts for them and like they were talking like just casual people would talk who were in the, like their late 20s early 30s whatever they're talking like toronto slang and stuff like that but they, they do it in such a professional way that you can get away with it i'm just like yes we need more of that you know so i love it i love it yeah. sometimes i hate it when i have to like keep going back and pushing back on like usually it's in writing when i have yeah. like some kind of slang written yeah in you there. gotta like said, code switch <laughs> yeah no i try not to though and yeah. then sometimes it gets taken out and i'm like no i kind of I want it back in there. Yeah, yeah, put it in there, put it in there. It's more authentic. It's like, don't worry, people will get it. People will get it. Exactly. They'll understand. Yes, yes, trust me. And then when they do, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, see, I told you they understand. Jeez, God, listen to me more, man. Take my word for it. Exactly. I really wish there were more young people driving the industry. I I, I believe so as well, like, because I think that you're, you're going to notice a difference. Like, you may actually have more people watching TV rather than just going on the internet. And, and that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I feel like if ratings are going down, I don't know if the ratings are going down. I don't have the numbers. I'm not a statistician. But if they are going down, then I think that could be a reason why. Because a lot of people who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, they're now going into the 30s. They're now watching the news and what have you. They want to see someone that's more relatable. They don't want to see same old dude who's, like, 70 years old now still kind of pushing the 
the the the narrative. They don't want to see Don Cherry keep on doing his thing. Like we want to see more refreshing blood. Like someone who is actually of this generation, who is more relatable, who can actually perceive things the way a younger generation would. So I think they really need to go in that direction personally. Yeah, exactly. There's like there's so much different things that you could be doing with the medium, with the format. We mm-hmm. kind of like fall back on sort of the same layouts and things. Yeah. I, but I love it when I see innovative things. Like online, I came across a site called Pudding.cool. Okay. <laughs> kind of like your show. Hey, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And it was, um, it was this site full of infographics. Yeah. And it would be like random stories like which rapper has the biggest vocabulary. Yeah, um, okay. What kind, what is shadism like on fashion magazines? They mm-hmm. use like all these like different data-driven like algorithms to track and see what the how deep the, sh- the skin tone is of, oh. like, the different models, and then they, like, arrange it all over the place, and yeah. it's really, like, well-presented online. It's, like, the most creative thing I've ever seen to, okay. like, kind of tell, like, these off, off-kilter kind of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to see more of that. Yeah. I wish we had more of that in Canada. Like, the rap thing you mentioned, <laughs> I heard of something like that. Like, somebody posted it on my wall on Facebook one time, so I don't know if it's from that same source, but I've seen something like that, so I think that would be interesting. It's, like, random stat, but not so random stat, because, like, if you sit back and look into it in perspective, it's like, oh, yeah. I did notice that, actually. Mm. So it makes you want to investigate stuff like that further because of the fact that, you know, it's something that could, couldn't be picked up so easily. But at the same time, when you do pick up, it's like an aha moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think more innovative ideas like that need to be put into more practice, you know, going forward. Yeah, take advantage of the design and all the different tools right. that we have. Like, exactly. make friends with all these computer engineers. Come on. Exactly. Like, we're in the like we're in the tech age now. Like, <laughs> Silicon Valley is popping right now. Like, oh, my goodness. There's different things that you can kind of lean on in that regard. Most definitely. So, and I just love having one of this big conversation, by the way. It's great. I love it. Um, so, speaking of just being in the industry and what have you, um, what challenges have you faced personally as far as being in the industry or even trying to get into the industry? Hmm. Challenges. All right. I feel like some of them are pretty obvious. Sure, okay. Um, Hmm. Do I even want to say that? I mean, well, the two challenges that I can find in in Canada is just the industry is really small. Right. And all the things that we were talking about, how like it sort of is kind of like the same people, same people. It's right. sort of like the same people have had the same job for 30 years. Yep. And there aren't more. So they're just kind of like holding up, I guess, space where young people could be coming in. Yes. So it is kind of hard. It's, it's tough in terms of numbers. It's tough in terms of the smallness of the industry. It's tough in terms of all these layoffs. I mean, most of the times when I've changed jobs, it's because I've been laid off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I started out working at HuffPost Canada mm-hmm. and got caught up in the round of layoffs after a year. Right. And then I was at McLean's Magazine as a video producer, mm-hmm. um, laid off after a year and a half, maybe two right. or so. And then I was freelancing for a year. And that's when I kind of got a chance to like go and do work for a lot of different publications, so, okay. like CBC Arts, Vice Canada, yeah. a whole lot of different places, just kind of on my own hustle. <coughs> so... Wow, I don't know why that didn't even come to mind first. Freelancing. (laughs) I find, like I was saying, like since there aren't a whole lot of like conventional jobs, it's sort of up to us now to kind of be just like entrepreneurial journalists and come up with our own little passion projects and also like doing work on our own, running our own business, figuring out how to do taxes and HST. Right. (laughs) Right. That was a fun year. Um, and just trying to navigate it in a different way, like when jobs are less secure. Right. And we're not the only industry that has to deal with that right now. Exactly, which yeah. Re- it's, it's not that ideal situation. It'd be great if there were more jobs, but we're kind of like just hustling it 
right. hustling out. <laughs> and I feel like we're the generation that's constantly trying to create our own opportunities. And that's kind of like one of the motivations I have behind creating like this show, basically, so I can kind of use it as part of like my portfolio, so to speak. A hundred percent, hundred percent. You get and get so much experience with audio engineering. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's just to show that hey, you're not just some on-air presenter. You can actually run the boards and stuff like that, so to speak. So yeah. it's just it's all about being like a Swiss Army knife and making sure that your blades aren't dull. Like that's the way to go about I it. I like that. I haven't heard that before. You can use that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other challenge too, like. Um, Canadian media is very old, like we yes. said, and very white. <laughs> Say that again. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't lie. I got kind of spoiled, to be honest. The first places that I worked were, like, um, local arts magazines. Yeah. Uh, one called Urbanology. That's really dope. Oh, I, I know Urbanology. Love did Urbanology. you work with Priya? Urbanology? I did. I still okay. do. She's so great. Shouts to her. Um, but her HuffPost, like, they were, they were very, like, racially diverse newsrooms. Yeah. And I kind of, I guess, got spoiled in a way. And right, then when right. I started working for more legacy media organizations, yeah. Some of them are definitely like mixing it up now. Yeah, in terms they're trying of, to. In terms yeah. of age, like when I worked at McLean's, I had a lot of colleagues who were people of color who were young, but in so many places that I've worked, I've been one of maybe like two black women uh-huh. or none. Right. <laughs> like the only one. Yeah. Um, so that can be a di- bit of a challenge in terms of like putting out fires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Amplifying my voice the way that I want to, trying right. to make sure that I amplify stories from other people of color yes. and put that perspective in there as much as possible. Yes. And then it's also just a challenge getting in the, getting in the door because sometimes you don't have those kinds of networks. Exactly. Um, but I really love Vicky Machamas. Uh, when did this start? But Vicky Machamas, she was uh, a columnist for Metro mm-hmm. when Metro was still around. Mm-hmm. And then when she was on Twitter one day, she just kind of like rounded up a list of all the black women who are working in media. Yeah. And then we all kind of like formulated a bit of like an online group and a group chat yeah. and a group chat for each other um, of black women writers in Canada. Right, right. And it's been a great support system to kind of like kind of navigate yeah. the industry in a sense. Navigate, share opportunities, yeah. vents, um, right. bounce ideas off of one another and just have that and have a bit of a database even so that you can't say that we don't exist and that's why you're not hiring exactly. us. Here we are and here's a list. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way you go about it. You know, strength in numbers at the end of the day. That's Thanks. what it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about um, creating st- or telling stories of other people of color and what have you. And that's one of the things that I've noticed about some of your, your pieces and what have you. So you've told stories about, you know, Ethiopian cuisine or, you know, black black film creators within the horror genre. And these are things that we don't normally get to hear when it comes to the quote unquote normal black consciousness, so to speak. So what what made it what made you decide that you want to tell those stories that people don't necessarily know about? Honestly, anytime I come across something interesting, I just want to do a story about it, share, even to share with a friend. Mm-hmm. Those two stories, it's so funny, the two stories that you said, I will not take credit for. I wasn't actually the producer on those ones. Okay. Um, I was the host, and the lovely producers actually came to me and asked if I would host it. Um, and it was one of the things that they had in their calendar. Right. Uh, but I'm very happy to help amplify the story and go in and talk about it. Yeah. And also, I love watching interesting documentaries. So that horror noir one, I was yeah. really glad. I was like, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, I would for sure. absolutely love to talk to these women. <laughs> but I think that there's so many things, so many ways that we get typecast yeah. a lot. <laughs> and so many little nuances that sometimes are missing or lacking or assumed. And as much as possible, I want to see something different than what is constantly out there. Absolutely. <coughs> Pardon me. I couldn't agree more because um, just reading those pieces that, or just reading and viewing those pieces that you did and what have you, it just made me think about 
all the new forms of media that are coming out, and especially with the new forms of, or not new forms of entertainment, but the the newer ways that entertainment is being broadcasted in terms of the type of stories that are being told through television and film. Like in the last five years alone, we've had black a black suspense film like Get Out, for example. We've had a black superhero film like Black Panther, for example. Mm-hmm. We've had other films that talk about. You know the the black uh, the black experience from like a youth standpoint, but from a different standpoint, like the movie Dope, for example, or even like the uh, black people within the workplace, like Sorry to Bother You. Mm-hmm. We've had the we have the series like Insecure, for example, that kind of navigates through the millenni- millennial lifestyle, so to speak. Like we've had all these shows that we haven't that we never had back in the two thousands or even back in the nineties. There's always a stereotype. There's always um oh I'm trying to get out the hood, yo. I'm trying to get out the hood. Bloods and Chris, OG OG whatever, right? We've always had oh my god let's let's make a dance crew and save the rec center it's it's always you know f the police it's like it's always the same narratives all the time so like i find it refreshing that there are newer ways to broadcast different stories or to tell different stories of different black experiences because not all of our experiences are the same like we're not one monolith in my opinion i feel like we have different experiences and that doesn't make us any more black or less black than the next person so yeah exactly yeah oh gosh are you even talking about tv like i love looking at different articles that kind of trace back in time shows because there was a period of time when TV was very black and then yeah. like mid-2000s like the era that we kind of came up in yeah. they were just so slowly sponging it out and just kind of right. consolidating going from UPN to the CW yeah. and saying like okay cool we'll keep we'll keep like three exactly we'll keep like three and I'll tell you <laughs> hiatus now right like I remember I think it was I think the Cosby show kind of helped it a little bit in terms of telling a black story from a different narrative because it was about an upper middle class uh, family, a full family, in fact, who were all going to school. The 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 father was a teacher. I think the mother was a, was a lawyer. Casby, that's a guy. Yeah, 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 yeah it was yeah. a doctor and a lawyer. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds like an African household, actually, if I think about it. She's <laughs> like, Dr. Laura, engineer. It's one of those three. Um, and then from there on, you had Fresh Prince. You had Family Matters. You had A Different World. Um, as far as comedy is concerned, you had In Living Color. Like, you had all these different shows that are showing, that are giving mainstream America, like, a little peek into, like, black America, in a sense. And then the 2000s, Kind of, it got a little bit shaky. Got a little bit shaky. You had a few good shows. You had Girlfriends. That was a, that was oh, a good show. Oh, Girlfriends was amazing. Yeah. For any makeup people out there, too, I don't know if anyone's listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the Beauty Blender actually, like, originated from the makeup artist who was on Girlfriends. Okay, I didn't know that. I learned this, like, two days ago. That's dope. That's dope. And then even for a little while, the game was a, was a good show as yep. well until it moved to same BT. Creator to, well, I mean, same creator for that time. Those right. beautiful three seasons. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And then it moved to BT and it just went to shit. Um, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that, though. No, there's like, so much you can talk about this stuff, too, because then you can even talk about tar- Tyler Perry. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like he's, listen. He's the jo- <laughs> a solid, solid, like, fence with him, though, because, like, he's employing black people. He's paying them what they're worth. I will not lie. I do not like the content personally. Thank you. Th- thank you. That's all I need to hear. Because everyone always says, well, he does so oh. much for the black community. Oh. And he employs people and he has his own production. Which isn't, which isn't a bad thing. But I mean, not, like he, I won't lie, he destroyed for colored girls that, that deserved a, be- a better, much better movie for the play that it is. Right. But um, yeah, he will... He'll give them leading roles, and it'll give it. Yeah. It'll be like a platform and a jumping off point. So the more right. I hear people talking about that, the more I'm kind of like, all right, fine, I will give you a point. I give like give half a point, point if anything, because like yeah, you you cast black people in your films, but it's the most stereotypical garbage over and over again. Somebody's cheating and they're having a baby on the side, oh or he gave that person an STD. Constantly or getting it, AIDS for being successful. Constantly, yeah. It's it's always like 
the the struggling dark skinned woman who can't find love, and she has to find the perfect man who's like six foot five, light skinned, loves Jesus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's got to put a lace run on it, right? Or just, a ball cap. Oh my god! Like it's been done to death already. Honestly, it gives you some good jokes though. <laughs> oh, oh man! I'll, I'll, All right, I'm not here to. I'm not here to cape for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't cape for him. Like I, I, like one of my friends pointed it out to me when we were back in college, and like I never really took a notice in it just because like I wasn't really on Tyler Perry like that. I watched a few movies here and there, but as I watched more, I was like, "Yo, dude, you're right. He does a lot of this crap." And I'm just like, "Yeah, I can't. I can't rock with this anymore, man. This is not. This, this is not me. This, this is not me. It's not." He does not write women well. Definitely not. <laughs> Him, Lee Daniels, like, oh, man. Like, it's just, I feel like he kind of plays into, like, black drama and how, like, a section of black people really love drama, which is why you have love and hip-hop and all these other trash reality mm. shows out there. And, like, he just feasts upon it. He's like, yeah, Dance, And, puppets, the, like, the dance. Bible Beltish area kind of, too. Yeah. Like, he'll kind of, like, play into that, too. But to talk about someone who I love. Yes. Debbie Allen. Okay, okay. She is the reason the different world is so amazing. Right. Fame, everything. After the fact, her dance academy, she is constantly, every time I look on different shows mm-hmm. that I've loved and admired, or just seeing what she's done in her own bio just like separate from all of that yeah she's like directed an episode of insecure like she's still constantly like right pushing forward <laughs> those stories and that kind of culture and doing it so well right like i won't lie she's like one of my idols oh yeah no she she definitely has the sauce for sure no, like no arguments for me on that point one of my favorite creators right now however is donald glover because he's able to do so much mm. and he's able to tell narratives of so many different forms and formats like i think my humble opinion maybe it's because i'm a huge stan of his of his whole art resume overall but like my favorite show on television i think is the best show on television is atlanta like the way he satirically talks about hip-hop culture and black culture it's so reminiscent of the boondocks and it's like that is so needed in today's society and there's some people who say oh i don't get it or it's boring whatever it's like no you gotta listen to the dialogue that's being that's being eloquent in that show like to me every episode plays out like a short film and it's such a good way to take in information like one of my favorite episodes was the uh What's that guy's the character's name? Something Teddy Jenkins or something like that, or Teddy Perkins? Basically, it was a play on Michael Jackson. So it was like a Michael Jackson pun. So he had like the the, the makeup on, like the the, the weird nose, the, the weird mannerisms or whatever. So that was their satirical take on Michael Jackson as far as why he's so weird. And they, they went into his childhood and how he's so tortured or whatever. But they did it in a way that it was so brilliant because it was such a reflection on how we view weird people or what's perceived to be weird because they've been so tortured and damaged that we don't get to hear that story. And so, like, after that episode, it's like, man, that was, like, it was hilarious, but it was also pretty deep and profound as well at the same time. So it made you go through a wave of emotions. And, like, when you're, as a storyteller, you're able to have that type of, like, reaction from, from an audience, you're doing something special, you know? And I think a show like that needs more appreciation. Sure, again, I may be speaking from a biased standpoint, but that's a really good show. And I, I employ, I, I, I co-sign that show a thousand, it's not just a black show, like anyone can watch it. Like there was even a show where it was called Justin Bieber and literally it wasn't Justin Bieber, it was a black guy who acted like Justin Bieber basically. So basically I think the whole play on it was if Justin Bieber were black, he would get the flack that that character was getting in that episode. So I'm just like, Donald Glover, you son of a bitch. I love what you did there. You creative son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, then. Definitely like Boondocks, for sure. Exactly. That show's coming back, by the way. I don't know if you heard that. I did. Okay. I did. I hope it's the same same everybody. Magruder's coming back, by the way. So, 
That was that was key because that fourth season he wasn't on the show. So that's why oh. it looked like total ass. Because oh. I was watching, I'm like, this is not the boondocks. This is not the boondocks. Like, there's usually a purpose to their stupidity or, like, perceived stupidity. This is just stupidity. It's Yeah, it's not satire. Though. I feel like I'm watching, like, the early seasons of South Park right now. This, oh, this no. is Yeah. <laughs> come on. You know those early seasons of, of South Park for what? Let's come on now. <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just speaking the real right now because no one else will. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like. I feel like black storytelling, whether it's from a media standpoint or an entertainment standpoint, is in a very good spot right now. And I feel like it's only getting better. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the trailer for Issa, the new show Issa Rae is going to be on? Oh, my goodness. Which show is this? Black Girl Sketch Comedy. I don't even know if I got the name right. Black Girl Sketch Comedy. Literally, they're going to be doing like SNL, but with black women. Really? Yes. So the entire cast is black women? Yeah. There's. Oh, my goodness. Like, literally, you watch the trailer for it. It looks like it goes on as long as like a movie trailer, basically. Okay. There's all these different scenes. Oh, why? Everybody's name is escaping me, but I swear I saw Patti LaBelle on that even. Right. Hold on. Pull it up. Pull it That deserves its own applause. That's I didn't know about that. I honestly didn't know, but I'm ready for that. Did, did they tell? Did they say when it's coming out? Oh, I missed it. I missed it. But I, in the moment I saw that, I said, "Okay, that's why Insecure is not going to be back for another couple of years." Fine. Oh, I'll did she announce you. that too? Oh yeah, that's been out for a little bit. I think I just I'm a bit of an Issa Rae stand, so that's okay, why that's I'm really like, hip to it. <laughs> that's fair. Like Insecure is like the only romantic comedy that I actually enjoy because yeah. I feel like romantic comedies they set like the most unrealistic expectations and people swear by it. It's like, oh, well, he did that in the movie. So you got to do that for me too. What? I'm not climbing up a mountain and delivering my love. No, no. I just <laughs> met you like twice already. Like I'm starting, like, you know what I mean? Like they have like the most unreal, like that's why I hated, I think the first, uh, what was it? What was it called again? Um, I think, no. How to, how to Think Like a Man or something like that? Like, the, the first one? Oh, Think Like a Man? Yeah, Think Like a Man. Oh, yeah. my goodness, but I'm going to blame Steve Harvey for all of that. Oh, you know, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. He ain't shit. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the first one was kind of fun. Okay, this is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the second one, it got silly, and then, like, the some of the characters, like, they didn't, like, improve at all. Like, And even some of the characters from the first movie, from the first one, they're just like, like, making Good's character, I'm like... Why should I feel sorry for you? I'm sorry. Like, why? Like, you try to play the man using the book, and then he tried to play you using the book, and then now you want to catch an attitude? You you try to do the same thing to him. Why Why does he have to run leaps and bounds to try to impress you? For, like, But it's, it's just, literally back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, exactly. It's like a power play back and forth. But I low-key have to come back in and claim for my and cape for my rom-coms. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. I just I'm just not a rom com person. But insecure, that, I mean, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But insecure though, it, that is like the ultimate outlier because yeah. it's from a realistic standpoint. Like that's all, even just a drama, really. Oh well, yeah. I consider it like a drama, like a dramedy, like a dramedy. I okay. wouldn't really throw a romance in there. It's right. kind of just life. Right. Fair enough. And I, romance is part of life. I, I think it's because the fact that romance is kind of like the pinnacle of the show, whereas everything else comes in between. So like friendships, um, the, the job sector. Um, Everything else in between, maybe. Yeah, fair so enough. That, that's why I would consider it like a like a romantic comedy, and like the storylines that involve the romance are often the ones that get the most, you know, chatter chatter kind of thing, right? So, but the yeah, that scandal that's, with all the cheating and, <laughs> and whole phase and everything. See, scandal. Like, I never <laughs> understood why people were really into that show. I'm just like, are we, are we watching a show about a woman who kind of sucked her way to the top? Is that what we're really doing? Like, I I won't lie, I haven't watched Scandal. <laughs> okay, I watched like one episode just to see what the hype was about, mm-hmm. and I'm just like. Yeah, I don't know if I'm digging this. 
I don't know. Like I, I like Kerry Washington. I've been a fan ever since Save the Last Dance. But I don't know. I don't know if I can rock with her on this. I'm sorry. Well, all right. I'm glad it like kind of put her up at the top. Brought her to like a little pinnacle of stardom that she so deserved. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I need to watch that and get back to you. Right, right. Fair enough, fair enough. But anyways, you know what? Let's let's get into this action because I love the, the dialogue that we're gonna get into right now. Um, over here in Cool Radio. We like to play some games, all right? Oh. So uh, we like to play some games to let the people at home have fun as they're listening and all that good stuff. So with that said, the first of two games that I have uh, is called Cool or Uncool, and it goes a little something like this. Yeah. So I know you hear the little bass in the background, right? Okay. Diggable planet. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, you're the first person who got that. Oh, my God. Yes! Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I got a little extra it's right there. all your prayers. I'm sorry, listen, that's one of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time. Remember, me and my sister used to jam out to that back in like 95 and all that stuff, so that I stand for the song, okay? So like, that had to be the backdrop for it. But anyways, sorry, I had a fan moment. Um, in this game, <laughs> I love this, I love this so much. In this game, I'm gonna give you some scenarios, and you're going to tell me if they're cool or uncool. All right. All right, so let's get it. Um, Raptors winning the NBA championship, cool or uncool? Cool. Okay, okay. What do I look like? I, 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 I'm just saying, I've, I've had the unfortunate circumstance of meeting a lot of Raptor haters in Toronto. <gasps> even even with this last season? Even with this last season, some of them jumped on the bandwagon, which I was fine with. I, I, I gave them, I gave, I gave, I accepted it. But some Welcome of them were just like, like, yeah, well, Kawhi's leaving anyway, so what? I'm oh just my like, goodness. Like, okay, now you're petty. Now you're petty. Like, you, like, you cannot talk smack if your team lost in the playoffs or didn't even make it at all. That's my rule. If your team lost or didn't even make it in the playoffs, you can't talk. First championship. Right? Like I know, like I'm never that person to be like, oh my goodness, Canada. But like, yeah. this is just so cool. But it galvanized the, the entire country. A sport that was supposed to be a fad and how it's a niche sport and only a certain amount of people would like it. Galvanized the entire country. Honestly, though, yeah, for the country that's supposed to be about nothing but hockey. Right. For literally everybody from coast to coast to be yes. following this, for there to be little Jurassic Parks popping up all over the place. 59. For people to be getting so into the game. Oh my goodness, I am I'm here for the season, if only to watch my mom watch this game. Yes. I was hearing her in the room next door just screaming, defense, defense. Yes. The cutest thing ever. I no, no, you can't tell me you weren't happy with the season. It's cool. Yeah, you right? cool. Listen. 56% of Canada tuned into the NBA Finals. A sport that was supposed to be a fad that was only going to last as long as the Grizzlies were here had 56% of the nation tuning in. The Leafs can't even do that. Talk to me nice. The Leafs, I've seen people throw their jerseys on the ice. I've seen people wear game. paper bags at a game to cover their faces in shame. The Leafs can't do what the Raptors did as far as getting the whole country to do that. The rest of the country hates the Leafs, but everyone loves the Raptors. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, oh, oh, bad timing on this one. <laughs> Kawhi leaving. Cool, oh, cool. Mm. Oh, I got to do it too. Okay. Mm. Selfishly, I'll say uncool. Okay, okay, that's Selfishly. Yeah. But to be honest, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> I feel like every time I heard about Kawhi being here, I kept yeah. hearing his family wasn't happy. Like, I don't remember reading that anywhere, right, but right. it was a common thread where right. he's a Cali boy. He's got a daughter. He's got a partner. They, right. If they don't want to be here, you do what's best he's, a fa- he's a family guy. Yeah. And if he has his clout to pick where he wants to go, of course he's going to go where right. he wants to go. I it sucks. Even, I can't even be mad at that because 
He never made any promises. He's a free agent. He can exercise his right to choose. Yeah. And he gave us a championship at the end of the day. So we have nothing to yeah. complain about. I will still say uncool, though, just because why you got to go? I know, I know. Like, I wanted that chance to repeat as a champion. You know what I mean? Because I never have ever been able to say that as a Raptors fan before, let alone winning a title. Yeah, but I get it. It's yeah. cool. Selfishly uncool, yeah. but I understand. Right. And you understand and you respect it. Um, Netflix, cool or uncool? <sighs> Shoot. Ah, dang. Give us U.S. stuff and then it'll be cool. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I only started paying for that stuff this year. <laughs> I've been paying for it for the last couple of years, to be honest. But my whole family tunes into Netflix, so like I pay for everyone's account. So same. Yeah. I made a whole. I made pages for everybody, and they didn't even use it for the longest time. Oh really? They're still on cable. Oh come on. I I'm ashamed. <laughs> I wouldn't be paying that much money if that were the case. <laughs> but y'all better use this shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was me for a year, and now they finally start to right. slowly hop on. Like oh they have this on there. Oh, I wanted to watch. Oh, what was Ava DuVernay's new thing? Oh, uh, when they see us. Yes, yes. Were, I was like, it's only on Netflix. Right. I've been telling you my password. I'm still bracing myself to watch that. To be honest, I'll be completely honest. I haven't seen it. I love, yet. I love Ava, but like, I'm mm-hmm. bracing myself for that. Like, because mm-hmm. the last, like, real, like, heart wrenching thing I watched was, um, it was with, it was Idris Elba, and he was like this uh, child rebel soldier enforcer. Right, that's on Netflix too. Yeah, yeah. It came Beast, out, like, Beast of No Nation. Yes, that. Oof, I had to like prepare myself for that one. I haven't watched it since, but man, that one was heavy. And we'll get, you know, one more actually. We'll get one more in. I, I, I had so much more. You know what? I'll, I'll get two more. In. I'll get two more. In, yeah. Two more in. Superhero movies, cool or uncool? Cool, but it's not something I watch. Okay, okay, that's fair. I, don't lie. I didn't grow up on comics very much, but if okay. you ask me to go, I will go. Okay, that's fair. I, I respect that. So cool. Uh, anime, cool or uncool? I, I, uh, dude, it's- shoot. <laughs> I'm uninformed. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think I think I'm very much like like I know there's a lot of people out there who love it. Yeah. I'll let you live. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you got your thing. All right, all right, buddy. <laughs> Me, it was just like Pokemon and card captures as right. far as I went. Hey, that's fine. That's why most people don't even know about card captures anyway. Like that's like one of the more underrated anime oh, cartoons. That, that was my shit too. Like what? Yes. I rocked with card captors <laughs> on Teletoon, especially. Like, come on, now. yeah, yeah. That was that, I think that was when I first started to get into like I need to figure out what the schedule stuff is. Because yeah. remember when it was that Channel Five and the yeah scroll? they had the TV guide or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it only showed for the next couple hours. You had to like honestly yeah. watch that for like three weeks to figure out when stuff came out. Exactly. You couldn't Google nothing. You couldn't. You just had to like have that intuition. You, you had really to, like, did. Write it down when you figured out that I'm I'm there six years old trying to strategize. Yeah, trust me, I did that every Saturday morning when it came to Fox Kids and YTV The Zone and all that. Stuff. Mm-hmm. I I planned that. That was the only time where I enjoyed waking up early. I was like, what? Seven o'clock? All right, cool. Power Rangers on. Dope. Let's get it. <laughs> this is my content. Four yeah. hours. Yep. And then after like eleven thirty in the morning, like your your Saturday was done at that point. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll just wrap it up at NBA Inside stuff and I'm good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shots to Mad Rashad. All right. And for the final game, this one is a, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, this one's called I'd Quit the Game. Every second, every minute, man, I swear that she can get it. <laughs> now, in this alternate universe, you are the eligible bachelorette. Okay. So you are wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing, jet flying, limousine riding, all that good stuff. But there comes a point in every man and woman's life where they got to quit the game. So they got to settle down, have, uh, have the family with the white home, with the white picket fence, apple pie cooling on the windowsill, the tire swing, Spud McKenzie looking dog, all that good stuff. If you had to quit the game for one of these two gentlemen that I've handpicked. Oh, Lord. Who would you quit the game for? Would you quit the game for Chadwick Boseman or Donald Glover? Ooh. I know. I got to pick one? Yeah, just one. You got to quit the game. I got to. Oh, no. You got to quit the game. You got to hang the jersey in the rafter and all that. Oh, no. 
Chadwick, so suave, so talented, such a talented actor. Yes. Is he British? No, no, he's American. He's American? Yeah. Ooh. I know, right? He's very cultured. Okay. Okay, I'm definitely mixing up with someone then. Oh, no, I know I know his face, but I'm just like, yeah, hmm, yeah, I yeah. was picturing a different accent. All right, never mind. Cool, American. American and still so suave. <laughs> Damn clever. Let me just preface by saying that there is no wrong answer because both are very eligible. Yeah, both are very eligible. I think I would pick Donald Glover just because I feel like creatively yeah. it would be like a bit of a powerhouse. Yeah. Because he does so many things. Yeah. I feel like I do so many things. Right. Honestly, he's one of those people who made me realize that it is okay to have a lot of different talents and pursue yes. them all. Yeah. Um, and I feel like he and I could ha- get into some like constructive feedback because I won't lie. This is America. I'm kind of like, hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. Great statement, but it was a little traumatizing to watch. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> more than a little. I feel like there could be a lot of like constructive feedback right. between us. I'm a little more into intellect, too, regardless. Right. And I think there's a little bit more line there. So, sure, fine. I will quit the game. For all right. I love it. I love it. I'm not mad at it <laughs> at all whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I love both both guys. Dog Glover, I mean, I already talked about it earlier, ad nauseum. Chadwick Boseman is basically my favorite actor at this point like he gets the most epic roles he played james brown he played thurgood marshall he played uh uh, jackie robinson he played king t'challa in black panther uh the first mainstream black comic book superhero ever so that's that's a historical landmark and i don't know if you knew but he's actually playing the role of a japanese or no of a of a african samurai by the name of yasuke really yeah so he's actually the first African-born samurai in the feudal Japan era. So that's a story that many people don't really know about. And he's going to be, he signed on to play that role. I don't know when, when they start production, but it's probably going to come out maybe like two years from now. But my soul and my body is all sorts of ready for that because I'm a big fan of Japanese culture in terms of the film and television. I was literally about yeah. to say it's like the mashup of like superheroes, yeah. Chadwick Boseman and anime. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's one of the reasons why Wu-Tang Clan is one of my favorite groups of all time. Like, you have hip-hop and, and, and like, martial arts combined together. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about as a five-year-old, but I'm sold. I'm sold. All this flying that you're doing in your music videos, I'm sold. Don't even say shit to me. I'm good. Oh you have goodness. me. You have my money. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Dave Chappelle's racial draft? Yes! Oh, my favorite skit I could recite. It. Oh, man. It's funny, because I was <laughs> with my friend... <laughs> I was with one of my friends, and he was doing, like, this creative project on, like, how um, the Chappelle show influenced pop culture uh, in, mm. in a huge way or whatever. So one of the things that we were talking about was the racial draft, actually. And we were just talking about how um, the uh, when they selected uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, the Asian delegation or whatever, selected the Wu-Tang Clan, was by far, like, the biggest upset of the night or whatever. <laughs> like when, when, when they... Sweeping it, taking the entire right? Wu-Tang Clan. Listen, when the Asian man went up and he was like, the Ariza, the Jizza, the old, yo, I started dying of laughter. I was like, yo, I was not expecting this. I thought they were going to go with Tiger Woods, but Tiger Woods already got selected mm-hmm. first, right? So I'm thinking, okay, who else are they going to go with? I know, that's just, oh, oh my God, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> who are they possibly going to take? Yeah, and then they just came up with the upset. I was like, yo, I was dying of laughter when I first saw that. Like, that was crazy. Oh, man, good times. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, we still got Angela Francis in the studio. So when we get back from the break, we are going to go into Trip Talk. So that's three of the hottest topics that took over pop culture. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. And I still have my guest for the night, Angela Francis, in the studio. Say what's up to the people. Hello, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... With that said, let's get into our first topic. So this one is, well, 
first of all, we're in trip talk segment now. So three of the hottest topics that took over pop culture and all that good stuff. So with that said, let's get to it. So the first topic I have on deck has to do with ASAP Rocky. All right. Ooh, I'm glad I listened to the read today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie. They catch me up because half of this stuff goes over my head. But yeah. yes. I wasn't really paying attention to the story too much because technically it happened last week, but there's still some more fallout from it. Mm. So basically what the fallout is this. A lot of people are upset that celebrities uh, like Rihanna, to name a few, are taking uh, or showing support for ASAP Rocky because of the fact that he's currently in a Swedish jail cell right now. So for the people who don't know what's happening... Pardon me. Uh, essentially what happened was ASAP Rocky got into a physical altercation with a few of the locals in Sweden. Now, this is all uh, video recorded. So basically what happened initially was a couple of Swedish citizens were following him and his entourage. And multiple times, ASAP and his camp told him to stop following them, get on that side, whatever the case may be. And then one of them had the audacity to throw their headphones at his bodyguard. And even then, the bodyguard didn't physically retaliate or anything like that. So this is all being documented. So I guess ASAP had a uh, boiling point of sorts and basically took one of them and tossed him to the side like a WWE wrestler. I didn't know he had that much upper body strength. I thought he was a skinny bag of bones. But clearly, it's leg day for him. Anyways. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but more than that, even, I was at least from the reeks. I didn't see the video. But the guys right. who threw the headphones at them were like, you broke my headphones. You yeah. have to pay me for them. Oh my god, really? For money for something you broke. Yeah. By assaulting me with it. Exactly. Like that's how they broke. And technically you broke them. It's like it's no different from dropping your phone on the ground and your screen shattering. That that's your fault. It's not the ground's fault. It's your fault. But anyways, I digress. So <laughs> a lot of people are angry that the celebrities are showing support for him because they are mad or the citizens, just regular people quote-unquote black Twitter, basically, is mad at him for the fact that he hasn't shown support for black people in general when it comes to social issues. So a lot of people are pulling up old interviews and clips of him basically not showing any remorse or empathy towards victims of assault from law enforcement or anything of the sort. So one quote that people really had an issue with that people dug up and started to persecute for him was this one. And this one took place in 2016 during his interview in The Breakfast Club. And this is what he said. And this is kind of in regards to the Ferguson incident in uh, Missouri. So this is what he said. And I quote, why? Because I'm black? So every time something happens because I'm black, I got to stand up? What the F am I? Al Sharpton now? I'm ASAP Rocky. I did not sign up to be no political activist. I don't want to talk about no effing Ferguson and shit because I don't live over there. I live in effing Soho and Beverly Hills. I can't relate. I'm in the studio. I'm in these fashion studios. I'm in these, <laughs> I'm in these women's drawers. I'm not doing anything outside of that. That's my life. So a lot of people pulled up this quote and basically said, let him rot in the jail cell and like all these other things and stuff like that, just kind of like out of spite. Um, but yeah, that's basically where it's at right now. So a lot of the citizens are just like, no, let him rot in jail, serve some right karmas of you know what. And then celebrities are just like, yo, that's our brother. We got to stand up for him. Like He's part of the hip hop community. We got to show support, et cetera, et cetera. So based on all of this, what is your take on the scenario? Oh my goodness. All right. I won't lie. I'm very good at... I do not want to say I'm good at separating. But okay. I don't think that... I think you can look at situations individually when those things aren't necessarily a factor. Right. So I don't <laughs> think it's right for him to be in prison in a foreign country right. for, under those circumstances yeah. because that's just bull. Exactly. Especially if you watch the tape. 
Exactly, exactly. So that that is one whole scenario where I could see that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But that will still, I think it's reasonable for that to then color. I think it's reasonable for his past comments mm-hmm. to color how much support you want to throw somebody. Right. Because it's sort of like a... The way you treat people eventually kind of comes back to you, right, depending right. on the way it is, or yeah. it'll kind of show up in the support. <laughs> like, if you've constantly kind of been saying those things, yeah. if you've been treating people a certain way, right. if you trip me seven times a day, when I see you falling down, I may not help you back up. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to kick you while you're there. Right. So I'm not really going to be upset for the people who do want to support him, who maybe have, like, a, f- a personal relationship with them, who are kind of like, that's my problematic friend. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah, necessarily yeah. <laughs> problematic fave. Right. So I won't really, I won't comfort what anybody wants to say on the platform especially when that whole scenario really is just wrong like him being in prison like i see why some people would be would feel a way about that yeah but at the same time how is this man so deluded to think that he has absolutely nothing to do with the black community but he's not the only person who is oh no it's far and few between yeah little wayne has made comments about this like the young thug like he's not the first nor the last yeah mill has made comments about this but now he's ultra super political now because of his situation but yeah that's another story for another day and the thing too with that is that like even celebrities who are spouting this this nonsense they're just not really even taken in the fact of how class separates them sometimes or how class kind of silos them in a way. Exactly. Um, But that's something that I can notice because I'm like, oh, if you feel like you're untouchable by this and you feel like these people are not any kind of kin to you or Mm -hmm. that race is not going to affect you in the same way as them, this is a scenario in which it did. Exactly. Because granted, it may not be forthright like that, (laughs) but being black affects you no matter what, where where you you are. If you're in a country like Sweden and you're being harassed on the street, it's probably more likely to happen to you if you are black. Right. So... Even if it's not prominent in that scenario, it probably is something that had a factor to do with it. But you feel like it doesn't because you've reached this level of fame, celebrity, and money. (coughs) So I really cannot condone people who really are, who just don't know what it is, don't know what the world is, don't know how the world is. They have like this bubble on them and they're kind of protected in a cocoon of sorts. Yeah. And it's funny because Jay-Z put out a song, you know, like two years ago. Basically saying, you know, no matter where you're light, you're dark, you're rich, you're poor, you're still a nigga in most people's eyes at the mm-hmm. end of the day. I mean, even two years ago, again, uh, there was a story of LeBron James and his home in L.A. Mm-hmm. being vandalized with the N-word all over it. And basically he said, you know, no matter where you are, like no matter what p- pinnacle of life you reach, you're still referred to these hateful comments because of the color of your skin. And that, and no matter no amount of mel- amount of wealth, pardon me, will ever change that. So there are some celebrities who have that in mind. Mm, I but can what, recognize that, but right. others don't. Exactly, yeah. And when it comes to ASAP Rocky, I'll, I'll say this. Not every rapper or celebrity in general has to be the political activist. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not, say, I'm not condoning what he said, but at the very least, show empathy. At the very least. So if you don't want to talk about anything political or sociopolitical, that's totally fine. But if somebody were to ask you about the situation that's ha- happening in Ferguson, at least say, yo, my heart goes out to the family. Or this is a situation that shouldn't be happening to unarmed people, uh, black people, or anyone in general. Like, if someone's innocent, they're innocent. Like, we should discern the difference between innocence and guilt and, and, guilt and what have you. Like, and, that should be and happening. And why, cr- why is the punishment death? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, at least show empathy towards that. No one's telling you to be Al Sharpton or uh, Michael Eric Dyson or any political analyst or activist or anything of the sort. No yeah. one's telling you to yeah. be that. 100% good point because, like, at the end of the day, that's somebody who died. Uh, that's somebody who died. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, J. Cole has chosen that path to be one. Fine. Kendrick has chosen the path to be one. Fine. 
not everyone wants to do it, and that's totally fine. You have your choice, but don't act ignorant to it. That's the thing. And as far as the people who are on social media saying let them ride, I mean, it's a little petty. It's a I think little, it's a little strong. Yeah, like black Twitter, I don't know. I have my love and hate relationship with black Twitter. I like the memes sometimes. Like the memes can be funny, but then some of the comments that are made, they're, they're made without context, without without ra- rationale. I'm just like, guys, like y'all sound like idiots right now, man. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I think it was sometime either early this year or late last year where – um, it was discovered that 21 Savage was actually British, of, like, of British right. descent. And so he was facing deportation, basically. So everyone was making these memes about him writing with, like, an old-school Mont Blanc pen with, with the uh, the feather. And then there was one meme where it's like where he's like, uh, oh, this is what 21 Savage meant when he when he said he's going to get his blood syrup. And it was, actually, it was actually soldiers in their red coats from, like, the 1850s. Where I was dying of laughter. So everyone was having fun with it. He himself said he had fun with those memes. And I think it was Demi Lovato came out and said, yo, these memes are more hilarious than television or something like that. But then Black Twitter was like, wait, what? Why are you laughing for it? White devil, aren't you a crackhead? You're a crackhead. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the, whoa. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. She's not making fun of the man's deportation case. She's having fun with you guys about the memes. So it's just like... I don't know, man. Black Twitter, sometimes they got to check themselves. I won't even lie. It's not just black Twitter. It's literally it's Eddie everyone. and everybody it is, on it is, it is. social media. Yeah, That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, because there's no context anymore. Nobody likes context. They like the headline and they want to react to it immediately. Mm-hmm. Instead of being proactive, they react. It's not even just about context in the in the way the story is being framed. It's yeah. nuance. It's like people aren't bringing their whole brain mm-hmm. to the internet nowadays. Right. They're sort of just going there with as much emotion as possible to get the biggest reaction. Right. But I would like to think that people can walk and chew gum at the same time that you actually yeah. like have two seconds to think like oh this is what's actually <laughs> going on yeah. I maybe shouldn't say this person's canceled or they should die right exactly right and I don't know if it's me just being general a general critical thinker and like, like to analyze or read into the line or me you know taking on this path of a journalist or what have you, or maybe a combination of both but when I hear a shiny headline I may react the first not like publicly react I may be like whoa and then I want to know more like whoa okay how did we get to this point? Like, start from the very beginning. And then as you get into the minutia of it all, it's like, oh, so this is really what happened, but this is the headline that's, okay, all right. So it's a tale of two cities in a sense, sometimes. But, yeah, like, it's this is a situation where where fans and what have you just don't wish imprisonment upon the man. Like, he's not in Guantanamo Bay or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, he's still a person at the end of the day. You see the tape. Yeah, he, he engaged in the physical altercation, but he was antagonized, as we saw. So I don't think him being in a prison was just. Like, the punishment doesn't fit the crime at the end of the day. Maybe a fine or something, but jail, like, imprisonment, no. Like, that's a little much. Yeah, the thing that's getting even more annoying with, the, with his particular case, too, is the fact that there is video evidence of it to present an example of what's going on and it's just another case of where that kind of stuff just doesn't matter lately it really is just horrible because and um there are so many other cases that he was similar to ferguson where he was mocking where like video is present and it still doesn't result in a trial or even like so many other scenarios it's just not or in a scenario where the body cam footage mysteriously disappeared yeah yeah i just kind kind of find that they find it funny that there's like that kind of through line through it where it's just sort of like yeah. Something that you mock is also not really helping you out right now. But that's also just something I'm not happy with, period. Right, right. Of course, of course. But all in all, 
I do wish the best for ASAP in this scenario because, like, it's not even he's in jail in America. He's in jail in a foreign country. Mm. And, like, who knows what could happen? Like, there are rumors about his jail conditions, but him and his attorney denied those rumors, basically. But nonetheless, you never want to be in jail, period. But you especially never want to be in jail in a foreign country because you might be treated as a hostile in that regard, especially if you're a person of color. In especially Sweden. if you're... yeah. In, see, I don't know about what Sweden's jail policies are like. I mean, I heard some countries like Norway, for example, have, like, rehabilitation initiatives in a sense. Like, they have, like, study halls and, and concourses where they have MacBooks where they actually habilitate you to learn and what and have you. Yeah, so yeah. There's, ma- a good, there's a good Vox video I came across that was mm-hmm. talking about, like, even just the design of prisons, yeah. like, not being, like, a panopticon but being, like, a campus. Yeah. It was a really interesting video. I've been really into design lately, but right. it's in um, somewhere in Northern Europe. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's you never you were never really know, but he is definitely gonna be the odd one out. <laughs> if uh, I'm picturing Sweden and I picture a lot of blonde people, yeah, it's, I mean he he gonna be called Pretty Boy Flacco for long, but that's all <laughs> that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> but anyways, ladies and gents, watching at home or listening at home, rather, what do you think? Hit me up on social media at CoolRidoCC and share your thoughts. Now let's go on to the next story. Let's bring things back home a little bit, back to Toronto. Um, Drake and the OVO camp officially announced the uh, the uh, OVO festival. And so not only did they announce that, but they announced you know the surrounding events like the OVO basketball tournament, which I'll probably go to, um, and then the concert itself, uh, three two or three day concert as per the usual. And they announced the headliners, or not the headliners, but the people who would also be on the bill. So names such as B2K, Bobby Valentino, uh, the Yin Yang Twins, Chingy were were amongst the names, and that had people puzzled. So people were saying, "Wait, hold on, we waited over a year or so." to hear who's on the lineup, and you basically gave us the Millennium Tour. Uh, so a lot of people were kind of mixed. A lot of people were like, why'd you give us a Millennium Tour? Other people were like, listen, like this is from my childhood. I want to experience this, damn it. And then other people were like, yo, if you've ever been to an OVO concert, you know there's going to be a special guest or two or, or a surprise guest or what have you. So overall, the social media fan base was split. They didn't know whether to be excited for it or be like, not excited for or indifferent, whatever the case may be. Um, but uh, Angela, you kind of had a reaction when I announced this uh, topic. What's your take on this? I'm surprised you didn't mention ticket prices. Oh, see, ticket prices like they're always expensive for OVO, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, I was. T- I've never been to OVO Fest. Me, me partly because of the ticket prices. Mainly because but of I that. I feel for me. like <laughs> it has not been. I don't know. My friend sent me a link, and was it was something like in the five hundred dollar age, and I was like, "Is oh, so you're not reacting? So it is five hundred dollars." Oh my God! Yeah. So anyone reacting over <laughs> over ticket prices, I'm not surprised. Like for me, I feel like OVO ticket. I feel like that's like the minimum at the very least. Oh like my gosh. If, if, like if you're in like the Drake Zone and like in like the Scotia Bank Arena, that's probably like the minimum. I would say. I'm a book but a plane like, ticket. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. See, and that's the thing. Like I'm saying to myself, like if you want to go to OVO Fest for like the whole weekend and get the whole experience, you have to plan it like a year out at the very least. Like save up from then and then figure out who's going with you. That way, when it comes to the, the day of the release or whatever, um, then like you're first in line to buy the tickets. Because like for me, it's like they're too expensive for me to even like ponder about going to because yeah. within the first 12 hours, they're already sold out anyway. So you have to wait on like a scalper or something like that to, oh, no. to buy tickets on the bookend. And even then, you may not get seats with your friends online in one row. They may be scattered throughout. So mm. it's almost a lost cause at that point. Maybe in the field. Geez. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it, I'm sure like people who go have a great time and like it looks like a great time. It's something that I kind of want to experience at least one time just to see what the hype is. But you got to plan that out like a year in advance at the very least. Yeah, but in terms of who he has coming, 
yeah, definitely. First thought was, is that not the Millennium Tour lineup? It kind of <laughs> Only is. minus a few people? It kind of is, actually. Um, I guess I do love a throwback concert, but not for that price. Uh, okay, I think... For me, you're never gonna get me past the price. Right, right, I right. like. I went to Afropunk. I spent eighty dollars and I saw Solange and yeah. Company. Like, um, and that was your threshold right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, eighty's a lot for me to yeah. spend. And Beyonce, I don't give that much money to. Right. Um. So the price for for what it's worth, I don't think you could really have a lineup for me that's gonna be worth five hundred dollars. Yeah. Apologies, but for who you're bringing, I think also with it being known that yeah, he does bring out like special guests. He may just be trying to mix it up, try right. a different flavor because Millennium. Tour tickets were also pretty up there, yeah, if I do recall. You know what absolutely. I mean? So you, it's not as though they're kind of like out of their range. It's not right. as though you're expecting this to be like some kind of free park concert. Like yeah. you would pay some money for the Yang Twins still. Of course. And I think I think it just goes without saying that there will be a few different people. But I get I get people's skepticism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. That's probably why everybody's split. Right. But for the people who want to go and have a good old throwback time. Yeah. Go have fun. Dive into the nostalgia. Yeah. And if you don't want to go, don't go. Exactly. They'll be sold out anyway, like you said. Right. And my thing is this. I two things. I think you alluded to one of them. Um, oh shit, what was the thing I was going to mention, actually? I think what's happening is that... Okay, so first thing that I, I remember off the top of my head, actually, is the fact that the Millennium Tour never had a stop in Toronto. So maybe this is Drake's way of giving the Millennium Tour oh. to to the fans who wanted to uh, partake in it. And second thing, okay, this thing you alluded to, Drake likes to mix it up with the guests. Like, his guests are always different. Like, I remember one year, he had Nas on stage with him. Like, I'm, I'm a Nas stan. Mm, I me, saw him once. He's my favorite rapper of all time. Like, Brent no, Will. no, oh, God. Listen, I can listen to Illmatic on every given day of the week. I memorize every single song off by heart. Like, that's how I kind of studied hip-hop. I was like, okay, this is why people say it's the greatest album of all, all time, whatever. So, but yeah, he had Nas. He's had Stevie Wonder. He's had Jake. Where he, was I? He's had Stevie Wonder. Oh, my goodness. He was one of the surprise guests, my actually. <laughs> one of my friends, I know, right? Mon Cherie Amour, that's my guy. <laughs> Superstitious woman. Like, don't even get me started. That's my guy. I saw him at the ACC. Okay. When it was the ACC. Sorry, right, right. Scotia Bank Arena. Sorry. I know. You <laughs> paid a lot of money for that. I know, right? Um, but yeah, like he's had a lot of surprise guests. You know what I mean? So maybe this is his way of a mixing it up and b letting this be somewhat of a smoke screen because you never know mm. who could come out, right? So um, I'm, I mean, I'm happy for the people who are gonna go because like it's, I always hear great things about it. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised about the ticket prices. I've, I haven't even seen the, the ticket prices. I'm assuming they may be a bit more expensive than than not. But if they're the same prices they were before, then. The sky is blue. So Yeah, that's <laughs> right. a good point though about there not being a millennium stop here. That really is probably yeah. what he's doing. In which case I would be appreciative. Yeah, like I think the stop the millennium tour was in New York and Detroit. So a lot of people from Toronto went to those two dates. Mm -hmm. So now that it's unofficially being, you know, held in Toronto, that gives the people a good reason to go, nonetheless. So I'm not mad at that. I think it's very strategic strategic of Drake. Drake is very strategic strategic individual, pardon me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like Drake's business acumen. Like he knows what he's doing. I mean, him being the global ambassador for the Toronto Raptors as well, especially stroke of genius in my opinion. And hey, I'm a fan of Drake's music too, so go figure. Uh, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, what do you guys think? Are the tickets too damn high? Um, either way, <laughs> let me know on social media at Cool Radio CC to share your thoughts. And the final topic for Trip Talk. Oh, boy. Speaking of early 2000s nostalgia, let's talk about Ja Rule real quick, shall we? What do you do? So, um, in the midst of the Firefest controversy... <laughs> oh, why did I forget about that already? That was one of the greatest documentaries <laughs> ever watched, by the way. There, too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched the Netflix one, but not the Hulu one. I didn't watch the Hulu one. I watched both of them. Really? I okay. watched both partly because I also heard that Jerry Media kind of produced the Netflix one, and okay. they were the people who were doing all the advertising for them. So this is me being a journalist, being right. like, hmm, okay, so you were very implicated in this, and then you go and do this. Yeah. And the Hulu one also actually interviewed um, McFarlane. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, nah, whatever his first name Yeah, is. whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have the article right here, too. That's a joke. <laughs> but anyway. Mr. Ja Rule, stealing all this money. Okay, not stealing. I, I, I know. So, Maybe. see, that, that's the thing right there actually so he was actually ruled by a judge uh to be cleared of any charges actually because in his statement and i quote ja rule and margolin were participants in organizing or promoting a large-scale event there is no assertion that the festival when first conceived or introduced to the public was intended not to go forward or that defendants intended not to perform by organizing the advertised amenities and accommodation. So in other words, they're saying that they weren't in charge of the construction of the entire event. They're just there as sponsors and advertisers. Kind of like how someone is the executive producer of a product, but just a name only, but just to get their name out there, so to speak. That's essentially what Ja Rule's role was. So the judge ruled that, and now he's got free and now it's McFarland. He's currently serving a six-year sentence because of you know money laundering and scamming, what have you. Um, real quick before I get to uh, your take on this, shouts to Andy <laughs> for being down for the team <laughs> or taking one for the team, I should say. Yo, when I saw the memes of Andy, I hadn't seen the Firefest doc Same. yet, so I'm like, what's all this about Andy? Like I'm seeing this guy just kind of doing a face, like kind of thing, or whatever. So I watched the doc and I'm just like. Wait, what? Hold on. You were ready to do what? <laughs> he told you, like, when he said that <laughs> the guy told him to do that, I'm thinking he's going to say, hell no. Like, how dare you stereotype me because I'm, ga- I'm a gay man. But then two seconds later, he's like, okay, I'm going to get on my, my lip, my lip uh, blom or whatever. And it's like, all right, I'm going to go ready to do the do. I'm just like, wait, hold on. I had to pause it. I laughed hard for like five minutes straight. I'm like, wait a minute. Time out. Flag on the play. Hold on. Not even that. It's the delivery. Yeah. It's the whole ambiance. He had his legs crossed. He was so casual. He was so just like, well, golly. Like he was ready. That's a man you want to have in your crew because he's down for any. He will uh, ride. He's for the, the problem crew. solver. Yes. He's that one that you need in that who will like do anything from like shoveling crap in the back to like yeah. build to like doing your budgets or whatever. Shout out to Andy, honestly, man. He he deserves an, uh, like an award or something. <laughs> Give him the key to the city. But anyways, what's your take on this whole on this Joel, Jia, sorry Ja Rule story? <laughs> um, I see it. I could definitely see it. I. I, low key, it kind of feels like a bit of an OJ Simpson situation where every I was not around during that time. Uh-huh. I mean, was I? Shoot. I mean, it was '94, so like we were we were kids during that time. I was born. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I'm an old head. Apologies, <laughs> apologies. I love usually like skirting by that, but I wasn't around to like experience right. that whole trial. But it feels to, like to yes. be fair, I was five years old, so I just want to say that. There, there <laughs> go. I was still a youngin'. I saw my teenage mutant trolls PJs at that time. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones where, like, on on the quick flipping reaction, it's sort of like you just want to kind of like pump your fists a bit and say like, "Yes, we gotta win." Oh, okay, okay, that's it's what you one mean. of those gotcha. moments. It's one of those. Oh, moments. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Because like that was the reaction right. for most black people right. like, when OJ got out. Because I'm trying to think, Jai Rule didn't kill a white woman. He didn't. Oh no, no, no! no but it's sort of like, like a, yes, we gotta <laughs> yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Win. Like right, it's right. McFarlane who's behind bars as opposed to like our beloved rapper. Right, exactly. The one that we love to hate in the era. 
That was a great a era, treat. wasn't it? A treat. Always yeah. on time. Come on, man. That whole Pain is Love album was dope. I banged that every day when I was in the eighth grade, man. That was my jam. No one could tell me nothing. I went through a phase like literally earlier this week where I just kept pulling, pulling up all those old nice. tracks. Um, but yeah, I totally understand though, like where you have varying degrees of involvement in a project and yeah. the responsibility and the onus for it to actually like be pulled off is very different from the people that you may be like hire for advertising, the people mm-hmm. who are just like being paid for a social media post. Like mm-hmm. for, I feel like Jay's, uh, sorry, Ja Rule, granted him. Mm, no, this is going to be a bad comparison because I was going to bring up how Kylie Jenner, like all those people, like yeah. but we're also like like the models of, and the and the influencers. And yeah, all that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you could even like you can play around with like, oh well, how big is your role in that? Because you right. were advertising this thing and it actually turned out to be really. And fun. they themselves had to put out statements saying mm-hmm. we apologize, we had no idea this is going yeah. on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and then is it a, an apology? Are you liable? Like those are right. things that I feel like are like very different. Like um, it takes like sorting right. out, and those are times when like laws are changed. Exactly. Even to be honest, because then you have all those things with like all these all these ads on Instagram you have to put hashtag ad you have to like disclose that they're sponsored and being paid for it for a multitude of reasons um to get back more on topic though like I get it where I get him not being held responsible necessarily because like if they figured out if they figured that the role that he was supposed to play in it yeah he wasn't really responsible for building the whole stage because yeah. that's the thing too. Like you're, it's. I think it really matters who truly dropped the ball. Yeah. And the person who dropped the ball <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, in the game. Harlan. There we have it. Yeah. And also the intent. Exactly, because he knew he was scamming money from people. Yeah. And it's not his first rodeo when it comes to that. Like, he had a history of that. <laughs> to see that documentary and realize that he was still running this stuff while yeah. he was on trial. Yeah. Like those fake credit card things that he was running as well. Oh, that was even prior to that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like a master, a master of like. Master manipulator. Master. Yeah. He's a scam artist in the in the highest regard. I think that's the only thing I fault Ja Rule on. I feel like he should have done his research in terms of this guy's background mm-hmm. to make sure he's legit. Because if you're trying to be an investing partner or whatever the case may be, you gotta do your background checks on certain people. Make sure their their catalog is legit. There's no paper trail. There's no nefarious activity that's kind of you know surrounding their dossier and, and what have you. So I feel like Ja Rule should have done a little bit more research in that. But beyond that, again, executive producer kind of thing, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. It's so tricky, too, like, because so many people, like, if you're charismatic, if you can yeah. talk a good game, if you can really, like, build yourself up, have enough cosigns, you can really get away with so much. Oh, yeah. Because then there's that other documentary. Um, oh, why can't I remember? Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth? No. Basically, I think she invented, she invented some sort of system where, like, oh, you could do blood draws with, like, a pinprick. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Ooh, sorry. I don't know I don't... about this one, actually. Oh, no, but she, like, really, like, it was something that was utterly medically impossible. She yeah. was in school, and her professors are telling her, like, no, there's no way you can do that. Yeah. You need, like, this much blood to, to get out on the market. Right. Lo and behold, she gets all these investors and balloons this company into, like, oh, it was such a mess. Oh, I wish I could remember the details of this. And it was, but a, it I feel was like... a scam? Or... It was a total scam because oh. she because her product her um design didn't work. Her okay. like professors are telling her from jump and it was yeah. like something it was a medical device that was right. 
supposed to be able to test your blood and like figure out. Yeah, because the way it sounds like it sounds like something yeah. that you would use if you're like a, a diabetic patient, like to test your insulin level. And mm-hmm. what have yeah, you. something very similar to that, but like not a pinprick w- wouldn't suffice. Right. It was it was something else. Oh, okay. I feel so bad like providing okay. this like bare bones like yeah. example, but there are it came out around I think the same time as Firefest. Okay, so like wh- the documentary because right, right. like there was a whole period of time when people were talking about like what is it with all these scamming white people? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was a scenario where like she would like deepen her voice to go into these meetings to kind of like talk like work the part and people were just kind of like entranced by how she looked like there were people who were interviewed afterwards all the investors who were kind of like she was pretty yeah like um it's kind of worked in the room something you should definitely look up i feel like her first name is elizabeth and it was a scam (laughs) so i feel like if you search that you'll probably find something or somebody can put in the comments because Someone has seen it. Exactly. Sure. Reminds me of uh, Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how many people, how many of my friends sent me those memes talking about, I'm looking at all my light-skinned friends. Like, <laughs> I remember when that story first came out. I think it was like, what, four years ago or something like that? I, I knew vaguely a bit about the story. And like some black woman or white woman masquerading as a black woman. Yep. And it showed a picture of her as like a fully Caucasian woman. And her as a black woman. And I'm just like, wait, why are they talking about two different people right now? I don't, I don't get it. And I read deeper and deeper. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. So she's masquerading as a black woman. So you're trying to tell me that this is her before the black makeup? And I'm looking at it, I'm like, no way. There are two different people. What do you mean? That I'm like, no. Like, it's, it's that meme where it's like Spider-Man where like he takes off his glasses and he puts on the glasses. I'm just like, nah. Wow. Like, that's... Like, I don't like what you did, but I got to give you props on the makeup. Like, you... Damn. I don't think I've seen this before picture. You, oh. I don't think so. I will make it my duty to remember it and to, like, like send you a text message or something like that. Because I do. was floored. I was like, no way. Oh, my goodness. Like, we were hoodwinked, bamboozled, <laughs> and led astray. Oh, my goodness. I was like, man, you bad for this, but... Wow, I'll give I've you props. I've like, only ever seen the after and like picking apart the after. Yeah. Like, okay, why did you choose that hair? Right. Okay, these freckles connected right here, but they shouldn't be. Yeah. Anyway. I never would have guessed though. Like if I had never seen that picture, I never would have guessed. I was like, wow, you played us all. Damn. <laughs> but anyways, what do you guys think listening or watching at home? Should Jairo be implicated? Is it murder, in fact? <laughs> Either way, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. And now for the moment that you guys have been waiting for. <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a wankster of the week. This week's Wankster of the Week goes to the Pied Piper himself, R. Kelly. Now, Mr. Robert Kelly is getting the Wankster of the Week, as he should in life, honestly, uh, because of the fact that he was arrested yet again in Chicago while he was walking his dog. And basically, he was arrested on 13 counts, I repeat, 13 counts of pornography, enticement of a minor, 
and obstruction of justice. Now, this is nothing new for the Pied Piper, especially as of recent years, you know, with the whole documentary coming out and what have you. But basically, this is a, a larger list of charges that have now been brought upon him based on new evidence being found in his ongoing, you know, investigation when it comes to child pornography, child molestation, and sex with a minor, and kidnapping and trafficking even as well. So these are just more details that are just coming out to roost, so to speak. And all I got to say is this, R. Kelly. <sighs> you literally got away with this for like over 20 years, basically. You got away with it longer than the Raptors have been a franchise. Like, that's bad. Like, we all should have recognized this when you were on the cover of Aaliyah's first album, which was entitled AJ Nothing But a Number. You just kind of lurking in the background and everything like that. We should have known from then. And then we should have known from the sex tape. Now, mind you, with the sex tape, when it came to court, the, the person in the sex tape alleged that it was not her, and her family did the same thing as well. Therefore, you were not guilty. You weren't innocent. You were just not guilty in the eyes of the law. At that point, you should have just stopped, made your music, and kept it moving. Like O.J. Simpson, when he got away from murdering a white woman, you should have left the country, deleted your name, and stayed away from the public for life. But what did you do, R. Kelly? You made more music. Cool. But you made more music about seducing younger women. You start hoarding in more women to continue your, your little brothel of your sex cult of whatever you want to call it. You kept on doing it over and over and over again to the point where this has been normalized in your brain. But to the point where you know you're doing wrong, which is why you're changing up your story so often. So in this scenario where you are now being charged on 13, 13 accounts, I hope all these accounts can be proven so we can see you locked up in prison. Because honestly... I'm not going to take away the fact that you're talented, but you are a sick individual. And because of that, you and your pipe, pipe, piping waist deserves the wankster of the week. And not only the wankster of the week, but the wankster for life as well. Do you deserve this wankster? Of course you do. And I'm going to drop it on you one more time, just like this. Angeline, your thoughts on that? <laughs> Agree. Agree. <laughs> Hard agree. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Honestly, like, this is one of those things where I'm glad that the Me Too movement came out in full force with, with the story as well. I just think that it shouldn't have taken this long. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I get it, money talks and what have you, but there's literally a girl, I don't know what, 13, 14 years old, being urinated on with his face in it. Like, it's not even blurred out or pixelated. His face is in the... Sh it's literally the money shot. I'm sorry to say that. But it's literally his face in there. And somehow, some way... And like we were just talking about, video evidence isn't enough. But still, we like, could we have at least done a DNA test or something? Like... The Oh my. Uh, it speaks to so much because the reporter who had been following it from like the tape came out. His name's Jim De DeRogatis, I believe is how you say his mm -hmm. last name. Chicago Sun-Times. He is the person who has been reporting up until like when more articles came out at BuzzFeed. I looked at the byline. I was like, it's still this dude. He's yeah. the only one who cared to keep reporting it and for yeah. people to keep coming to. But then you, uh, he was interviewed about it after the fact. And he said, the one thing I've learned from this is that... There's nobody society cares less about than black women. True. That is 
and they're granted there are different like saying extremes is always very difficult because there's so many other people as well right but it really speaks to that like people just right. truly were not really pressed to come after him for it yeah which is and a people shame. forgave him for it and continued to listen to the music which is what was financing his ability to right. rent these compounds and pay off all these <laughs> NDAs right. for all the women if he he's making money off of his music and that's the one thing why I'm so glad that there's Mute R. Kelly why right. there was specific like writing in the in the Times Up they yeah. had like a whole bullet point that was like we want R. Kelly to be held accountable right from all these like powerful uh, celebrities and women in Hollywood who yes, are yes. who are just like expanding on the Me Too movement they yes. had the line in there specifically um and I'm just so happy to see it finally see some charges finally stick. Exactly. I mean, I'm not supposed to to share my opinion necessarily, but I feel right. like this is one where you can't honestly. Of course, so you can't hold back from it. Like wrong is wrong at the end of the day. And like I've been a proponent of you know separating the art from the artist. Like I, I've always said that within context as well. In this scenario, though, oof. it can't be. If you're if you're be. if you're rapping about sexual, if you made a whole career singing and crooning about about seduction and what have you, seduction about sex, about yeah. nasty little things, we and, your, and your partners of choice yeah. are not partners. They're not your peer whatsoever. Yes. Then yeah. you can't. You, know, you can't I mean, that. there's so many songs you gotta like go back to. I mean, Mm-mm. come on, keep it on the down low. Like Mm-mm. nobody has to know. Like come on, Mm-mm. I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. Yeah, hey, age ain't nothing to number. Like I know Leah saying about R. Kelly wrote it and produced it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. 100%. There's so many records. I mean, oh god. I mean, it, <laughs> even some of the feel good records like World's Greatest and. And step in the name of love. It's just like yeah. those are some feel good records, yeah. and it's just like you don't even look at them the same way anymore. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I box for fun, and I remember one of my instructors played that during the cool down. Yeah, because he's like diehard boxer. So I'm like, all right, yeah, uh, it's an Ali song. I see where you're playing it right now. I yeah. asked him to change it. Yeah, and then the other women in the class were kind of like, hold on, like every everybody wants me to change it, and, yeah. I was, and we were like, yeah. you haven't seen the documentary. You have. We had a really long conversation <laughs> after the fact too, where I'm like, you really, I'll send you the links. Yeah. I'm gonna just need to go watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you come back to me when you're ready. Come back to me after. He's like, like, he's like, it's my favorite song, and I'm like, I, his music I loved too when I was a kid. Yeah, he has a, he has a fantastic voice. I I've, I've been on record multiple times saying he's the greatest R&B singer of the '90s. No one is touching a candle to him in, in that in that era. I mean, I believe I can fly off the Space Jam soundtrack. Like that hurts me. I don't lie. I can find others to live. I I know. I, I know. Found, but I found others to live. I know. Angela, I know. Where you at? I know. I can still live. But I'm just saying. Like, that was arguably my favorite song off of that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That's one of the greatest original soundtracks ever. Mm-hmm. No one can argue with me about this. Like, so it's, I don't know, it's, it sucks. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, mo- most importantly for the women and for the victims and what have you. Oh, 100%. But just to see a talented individual like that go down that road and no one tell him right from wrong, like, come on. Like, even, like at the end of the day, you still got to be held accountable for your actions, but for the people who condoned it as well, for the people who were paying off the Chicago PD and all these other people who could have taken him in, like, they have just as much to bear yep. as he does when it comes to taking that cross down to Nazareth in that regard. Yeah. So. Big and small. Like, even anyone who was making comments about, like, oh, she was just a fast little girl or whoever was in those videos like everybody big and small depending on whatever your involvement is you're a little bit like you have something to learn for mm-hmm. sure um, but to even kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier about storytelling I really appreciate that Dream Hampton's documentary for Lifetime yeah the docuseries because like I was saying how there was articles coming out for BuzzFeed like all those stories that came out in that documentary 
were <laughs> had been written about like in the last year or so yeah. um, by Jim Derogatis again. But then seeing a documentary have such impact and yeah. hearing all their voices and all that, it kind of just made me less jaded because I have a lot of friends who are in who are in either journalism or documentary making and sometimes they'll come to me and be like shoot like sometimes I just wonder like why do I do this like does it really like have an impact I really want it to sometimes it just doesn't like Mm -hmm. that was just an example of like yes it finally it finally really got people to do something right absolutely and on that note, we are going to conclude tonight's episode. So, Angeline, I want to thank you for coming through once again. Absolutely. You are now a cool radio member, so feel free to come through anytime and we'll chop it up again. Of course. One of my favorite episodes, actually, if I may say so myself. One of my favorites, thank actually. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I had a good time. Thank you for having me. No worries. And thank you for gracing us with your presence. Um, where can the people find you on social media? Um, ooh, fun. I'm at Angeline Says Hi. A-N-G-E-L-Y-N Says Hi. It's mm-hmm. very funny. Everyone always thinks it's Seishi, but it's not. I never Seishi. thought I never thought about that. I've gotten it a couple times. Honestly, I'm part Chinese, so I think people think uh, it may be, is that your last name? I'm like, no, it's been, it's been Francis. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Seishi. And I'm like, Seishi, Seishi ain't really that Chinese either yeah. sounding. But anyway. Seishi doesn't even, yeah, it doesn't even sound it Chinese. I'm like, maybe the sashimi. Yeah. <laughs> even then, that's Japanese. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Angeline says hi. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And uh, any uh, new uh, pieces that we can look forward to from uh, any publication that you work with right now? Ooh, I have a couple. Right now I'm working at the Toronto Star. I'm doing more behind the scenes stuff though, so I may not write for them just yet. I'm also like... Just getting in there like okay. um, a month and a half in. Just getting used to it. Congrats, congrats. Thank you. Um, but I have two, uh, an article and a video coming out soon. I will share and pin them. But I, yeah, I'll, until they're actually out in the world finally. Right, they've right. been like in the works for a little bit. Um, but I'll share them. So follow me and you'll see my new work. Absolutely. I'll definitely keep a lookout for that as well. Um, and as you guys already know, you can listen to us on any platform. So <laughs> we're available on SoundCloud. Uh, we will be available on Google Play and we'll be available on iTunes very shortly. I'll keep you up to date with that. Other than that, you guys already know the deal, man. Uh, hit us up on social media at CC on multiple platforms, which includes SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.